Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Live from New York, I'm Julia Chatterley. This is First Move, and here's your need to know. Vaccine Voyage, Pfizer's drug delivered to all 50 U.S. states today. Christmas curbs, Germany going into full lockdown as COVID cases surge. And Democratic decision, the Electoral College set to confirm Joe Biden as president. It's Monday. Let's make a move. Welcome once again to First Move this Monday. I hope you all had a safe and restful weekend and or start to the week wherever you're joining us from. I have to say it's a tale of two halves today across America. Let's talk about the good news. Huge optimism as the first COVID-19 Pfizer-BioNTech vaccines are delivered across the country. Frontline healthcare workers and residents of long-term care facilities are expected to get the vaccines first. We will also be taking you behind the scenes later with the president of UPS's Global Healthcare and Life Sciences, the architect of that monumental delivery operation. So that's the good news. The bad news, Congress still battling to deliver the pandemic aid package before Christmas. And the problem is, even if they do agree, that help surely won't be coming quickly enough for the 12 million people set to lose pandemic-tied jobless benefits at the end of this month. Time to act, as we keep saying. What about for investors this morning? Well, they have vaccine vigor, I think, rather than benefit blunder, for lack of a better word, in mind. Dow futures are higher after the majors lost half a percent last week. In Europe, the big story remains Brexit. When is a self imposed deadline, not an actual deadline. Good question. Brexit talks, deal talks will continue and investors are optimistic, judging by the pop higher in British pound versus the dollar and the euro. The answer to that question, of course, is wherever Brussels is involved in negotiations in Europe. A quick look at Asia right now, where the Nikkei and the Shanghai rose Monday, while the Hang Seng and the Korean Kospi underperformed. As you can see there, Seoul announcing fresh restrictions, the closing of more schools, rising coronavirus infections in the Asia region, tempering vaccine optimism elsewhere, I think. And that is where we're going to begin the drivers. The United States has begun the nationwide rollout of its COVID-19 vaccine. Shipments of the BioNTech-Pfizer vaccine were dispatched to all 50 states Sunday. The first doses have been delivered to vaccination sites. George Washington University says 975 doses arrived an hour ago. And medical workers are preparing to administer the first inoculations shortly. The CDC has recommended healthcare workers and care home residents receive the vaccine first, but states, of course, make the final decision on allocating, allocating those precious doses. Meanwhile, Pfizer CEO Albert Borla spoke to CNN's Dr. Sanjay Gupta earlier today in his first interview since the company's vaccine was authorized here in the United States. And he said Pfizer can scale up production without compromising safety. Listen in. But the quality will be diminished? Not at all, because we have so stringent the rules that uh, we will not allow anything to go out without meeting the, the high standards of quality. So the 1.3 billion that we believe we will provide they will definitely meet the highest standards of quality. Look, to, to, it's not an, an easy thing, so it's quite complicated. And uh, there were a lot of things that uh, were making me worried. Much fewer now. Already we know uh, how to do it. And uh, although it looks like a giant step, for us it's what we do every day. So right now um, I feel quite comfortable that we will be able to, to do it uh, smoothly. I'm sure that there will be bumps all the way uh, across the way, but uh, also I'm uh, certain that this is normal life for us and we will be uh, uh, dealing with them and then uh, we will deliver these quantities. And as I said, I hope that we will deliver more. 
We, we got a couple of minutes left. I, I, I brought up this point uh, that I think is very important, and I'm hoping you can just clarify this. If we can show the graph of, of what happens with a single dose of the vaccine. Now, I know all the, the trials were done on two doses, um, but I don't know if you can see this, sir, but uh, the audience is seeing this graph from the uh, FDA Pfizer's uh, kit of, of uh, data that went out. The red line is coronavirus cases going up without a vaccine. The blue line is about the 10-day mark after a single dose where you see a significant flattening of new, uh, new COVID cases. Um, the, the single dose appears to have uh, a lot of benefit, not as much as it turns out as two doses, but in the middle of a pandemic, do you think, and I realize it's an FDA and CDC sort of decision, but as CEO of Pfizer, do you think there's merit in the middle of a pandemic when there's such demand to giving one dose to as many people as possible and then manufacture, just as you were describing, the second dose very rapidly to provide that, that dose after about three weeks or so? Thank you. I can't see the graph, but I have it already printed in my mind very well. It's a very, very important graph from public health perspective, because indeed shows that already from 14th day, which is two weeks after the first administration of the first dose, you can see the lines getting separated. And if you can measure around the 21st day, which is the day that we are giving the second uh, dose, there is a theoretical efficacy of uh, 50, approximately 50%. But this is not something that we know can continue. And definitely it's not as high as the 95, is almost half of it, that you can get with the second dose. This was something that both FDA and CDC considered a lot. And they are rightly, I think, recommending that you should complete the second dose. However, it is a very, very important graph because from public health and from epidemiological point of view, we know that we will have an impact already from the first dose. Elizabeth Cohen joins us now. Elizabeth, so much to discuss this morning. I think back over all our conversations over the last seven or eight months, and here we are today. What a feat of science. Talk us through what we can expect over the coming hours as we start to see these vaccines being rolled out. Julia, it truly is incredible. I was texting with Anthony Fauci over the weekend, and he called this a truly historic moment. He said, and I want to make sure I'm quoting him correctly, he said, this is, of all the vaccine development that he's been involved with over many decades, this is the most stunning accomplishment among all those vaccines that he has been involved with. So let's talk about what's going to happen in the next few days in the United States. So today we're going to see 145 sites across the U.S., many of them hospitals, medical centers, receiving the Pfizer vaccine. Tuesday, another 425 sites will receive the vaccine. On Wednesday, 66 sites will receive the vaccine. That's for a total of 636 sites and 2.9 million doses. So 2.9 million doses to 636 sites. Those are all supposed to be given out. They're not supposed to be saving any of them. They're supposed to be given out. And then three weeks from now, when all those people need their second doses, then they'll get another shipment. Julia? Yeah, it's quite fascinating, isn't it? And uh, I love the quote from uh, Anthony Fauci. What a feat of uh, science has been carried out here. Elizabeth said that's what's coming over the next few hours and days. Let's just go back to what the Pfizer CEO was talking about there, because I wanted to get your expertise and wisdom. Fascinating discussion between him and uh, Dr. Sanjay there, talking about why not just give everybody one dose and see what happens rather than giving everybody a smaller proportion, clearly half as many, two doses in the initial stages. And what health impact will be had even just as you start to give people the first dose? Right. It was great to hear Sanjay and Dr. Borla sort of sort that out. It's so important that people get this second dose. Yes, the first dose will give you some protection, sort of 52 percent ish protection. But why would you want only 52 percent protection when you can have 95 percent protection, which is what you get with two doses? Two doses, I'll just put it out there. It's a pain in the neck. It's a pain in the neck for everybody. It's a pain in the neck for the public health system to have to deliver the second dose. It's a pain in the neck for the doctors and nurses to have to administer it. And it's a pain to have to remember to come back after three weeks, especially because, and I'm just going to be totally, you know, put it out there, after the second dose, many people, not everybody, but many people feel pretty sick. 
Some of them get a fever, they have muscle aches, they get a headache. So it really would, in many ways, be much easier just to end this at one dose. But again, why would you want 50% protection when you can have 95% protection? And hopefully there will be enough doses of both Pfizer and soon also Moderna to sort of cover everybody as quickly as we possibly can. Moderna is having its FDA hearing on Thursday, so they're about a week behind. A week from today, Julia, I predict that you and I will be sitting here talking about the Moderna distribution. So that's coming up in about a week. Yeah, and you make such a great point. Get the maximum protection you can. This vaccine has, what, 94, 95% efficacy. It's incredible. Get the two doses if you have them available. And for those that suffer from it, COVID-19 is a way bigger pain in the neck than just having to go back and get that second dose. Elizabeth Cohen, great to have you with us. Thank you so much. All right, Germany, also set to receive 11 million doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine by next month. That's according to the country's health ministry. Good news, but of course that doesn't help with the present crisis. The German president described the situation today as, quote, dead serious. The country reported more than 20,000 new infections on Sunday. Just to give you a comparison here, the United States, whose population is around four times larger than Germany's, recorded more than 190 thousand new cases. Fred Blanken is in Berlin. So Fred, relatively far fewer cases in Germany, but that's not stopped the nation deciding to embark on a lockdown here. Something, to be fair, that Angela Merkel has been pushing for now for many weeks. Angela Merkel, you're absolutely right, Julia. Angela Merkel has been pushing for stronger, stricter lockdown measures for a very long time. But of course, this is a very federalist country here in Germany, and she has to do all of that with the state governors. And a lot of them simply didn't want to pull along with a lot of these stricter measures for a very long time. But it really seems as though especially the last two weeks, the Germans have really felt like the coronavirus infections have been getting out of control. And I think what one of the things that really scared people and woke people up was last Friday when Germany hit a record number of new infections in a single day of around 30,000, but also a record number of deaths in a single day with about 600. And, you know, that's about the equivalent of 2,400 people dying in the U.S. in a single day. So a very, very high number. And at the same time, ICUs in this country are also starting to get pretty full as well. And so one of the things or, or the things that the Germans are doing now is they're putting the stricter lockdown in place a lot earlier than anybody would have thought. It starts on Wednesday when all non-essential shops have to close. And keep in mind, this is right as people were about to do their holiday shopping. So yesterday, people got the word that, by the way, as of Wednesday, all shops are going to be closed. Uh, And also schools are going to close as well. So there's going to be distance learning. So a lot of that, a heavy burden on a lot of people here in this country, a heavy burden also, of course, on a lot of businesses here in this country. The government has already said that there is going to be compensation, but it is certainly something that is cause for concern. All of this, Julia, is to ensure that there can be some sort of Christmas here in Germany. It's going to be a lot smaller for a lot of people. They're only allowed to gather in groups of fives and only from two different households. And just to give you an idea about how careful the Germans want to be with all of this, there are going to be church services, but those church services have to be registered and approved by authorities. And people who go to these church services have to wear masks the whole time and are not allowed to sing. So the Germans really trying to bring those numbers down and really don't want to take any chances because they understand situations right now is extremely dangerous in this country, Julia. Yeah, all about risk mitigation. Fred, thank you so much for bringing us that update there and stay safe, please. Fred Plytgen there. All right, today marks an important step in confirming Joe Biden's victory in the U.S. presidential election. Electors from all 50 states and Washington, D.C. are gathering to cast their ballots in a formal process required by the Constitution. Joe Johns is in Washington for us to explain this, because, Joe, ordinarily, I don't think we'd even mark this occasion, quite frankly, even if it's something that dates back to the details in the Constitution. The problem, of course, is the consternation and conflict within the White House and the president himself over who actually won this election. And that's why we're firmly focused on this today. That's right, Julia. And just a few minutes ago, the president tweeted out just another conspiracy theory about the November election, totally false. And he's been doing it almost since the election in November, almost every day. But the fact of the matter is today is a very big day. It's the day where the electors meet in all of the several states here in the United States to cast their votes essentially 
underlying or affirming the popular vote that happened in November. There are 538 of these electors. That vote, if it goes precisely along the lines of the November election, would be something like 306 to 232. But there is a possibility that here and there, there could be a number of electors who say they're not going to vote for Joe Biden as they're expected to, but turn their votes to Donald Trump. That's at least possible. It has happened before, even though about 33 of the states have laws against it. There's a possibility. We can't say today is the end of the drama in the United States over the 2020 election. That probably won't come until about January 6th. That's the day when the certificates from those votes that happened today arrive here up on Capitol Hill and people up on Capitol Hill actually tally the votes and declare Joe Biden the winner. There's a possibility even there for some type of a challenge for members of Congress if they choose to But once again, uh, highly unlikely that anything will change and that Joe Biden will become the president on January 20th, Julia. Yeah, I think some people are waiting for Inauguration Day, quite frankly, in order to be um, sure of that, whichever way you voted in this election. Uh, Senior Washington correspondent Joe Johns, thank you, sir, for explaining that. Great to have you with us, as always. All right, and don't miss our special coverage of the Electoral College vote. It starts less than two hours from now at 11 a.m. in New York, 4 p.m. in London, right here on CNN. All right, let me bring you up to speed now with some of the other stories making headlines around the world. Singapore has approved the Pfizer-BioNTech coronavirus vaccine, is expecting the first shipments by the end of this month. The prime minister says the vaccine will be available free of charge to all residents. It won't be mandatory. He also said Singapore will relax coronavirus restrictions starting December 28th. As we've mentioned, crucial Brexit talks are coming down to the wire. The British Prime Minister and the European Commission President have agreed to extend talks again after speaking on the phone Sunday. But the two sides are warning a no-deal Brexit likely. Actually, I'm going to hand you over now because we're going to listen in to uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo talking about vaccine delivery. Vaccine in the state of New York, maybe the first vaccine shot in the United States. Uh, Sandra Lindsay, an ICU nurse. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, And you are in Long Island Jewish Medical Center, which is in the great borough of Queens. Good things come from Queens. Uh, Let me start by saying uh, thank you. Uh, Thank you, uh, doctor. Thank you, nurse. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Dowling. Thank you for everything you've done for all New Yorkers through this pandemic. Uh, I know how horrific it was. It was a modern day battlefield. And that's why the word heroes is so appropriate for what you did. You put your fear aside uh, and you stepped up every day to serve others and you did it magnificently well. So I can't thank you enough. This vaccine is exciting because uh, I believe this is the weapon that will end the war. Uh, It's the beginning of the last chapter of the book, Uh, but now we just have to do it. Vaccine doesn't work if it's in the vial, right? Uh, So New York State has been working very hard to deploy it, to get it out. We have trains, planes, and automobiles moving this all over the state right now. Uh, We want to get it deployed, and we want to get it deployed quickly. And we're here to watch you take the first shot. So... Michael Dowling, uh, Dr. Chester, Sandra Lindsay, we're all with you. Uh, Governor, thank you so much. And uh, let me also express uh, our thanks to you for your extraordinary leadership during this whole pandemic over the last number of months and obviously today. And the fact that you committed to science and data to guide your leadership is absolutely extraordinary. And as you said, we're in Eastern Queens. And as you know, Queens was the epicenter of the COVID issue back a number of months ago. This is where it hit the hardest. And this facility, Long Island Jewish, was right at the center. And here at Northwell, uh, you know, we've seen well over 100,000 COVID patients. And at one point back in uh, April, we had over 3,500 patients in our hospitals. 
And as you said, we are the largest health system in New York, and uh, we are very, very proud of our frontline staff, and of course of the frontline staff of all of the, and all of the hospitals and all of the facilities across the region. This spectacular work, and as you said, they are the real heroes. Uh, so uh, it's a pleasure to be here uh, with Sandra and Dr. Chester, and I don't think we need to delay any further, uh, because this is a special moment, a special day. This is what everybody has been waiting for, uh, to be able to give the vaccine and to hopefully have, see this is the, the beginning of the end of the COVID issue. But I just would like to say something, though, that just because we're giving out the vaccine is no excuse for the public out there not to continue wearing masks, not to social distance, etc. You have to continue to comply with safety standards even though the vaccine is going to be distributed over the no no next couple of months. You have to do both if we're going to be successful here, as you know very well. So again, Governor, we thank you. Thank you for your extraordinary leadership. And with that, let me um, turn it over to Dr. Chester and then um, and with, uh, with Sandra here. Hope Sandra is a critical care nurse, has been on the front lines all during the, the crisis. Um, is a director in critical care. She has seen a lot, and uh, uh, she is very, very happy to be here to receive uh, the vaccine. And Dr. Chester is a director of our employee health services. So, with that, Dr. Chester, we'll turn it over to you. Thank you. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't flinch. I take it that Dr. Chester has a good touch. She has a good touch, and it didn't feel any different from taking any other vaccine. Great. Dr. Chester, it all worked, the, the, uh, the kit from your end? Everything worked perfectly. Thank you. And you're feeling well? Um, Governor Cuomo, I'm feeling well. I would like to thank all the frontline workers, all my colleagues who've been doing a yeoman's job to fight this pandemic all over the world. I am hopeful, I feel hopeful today, I'm relieved. I feel like healing is coming. I hope this marks the beginning to the end of a very painful time in our history. I want to instill public confidence that the vaccine is safe. We're in a pandemic, and so we all need to do our part um, to put an end to the pandemic and to um, not give up so soon. There's light at the end of the tunnel, but we still need to continue to wear our masks the social distance. I believe in science. As a nurse, my practice is guided by science. And so I trust science. What I don't trust is that 
if I contract COVID, I don't know how it will impact me or those who I come in contact with. So I encourage everyone to take the vaccine. So you said it very well, Sandra. We trust science here in the state of New York. Federal government approved the vaccine. We then had New York State have a separate panel that also approved the vaccine. And we've been following the science all along. Uh, I hope this gives you uh, and the healthcare workers who are battling this every day uh, a sense of security and safety and a little more confidence in doing your job once the second vaccine has been administered. Uh, in New York, we prioritized healthcare workers at the top of the list to receive the vaccine because we know that you are out there every day putting your lives in danger for the rest of us. So we wanna make sure we're doing everything we can to keep you safe. And uh, the point about New Yorkers and Americans having to do their part and take the vaccine because the vaccine only works if the American people take it. They estimate we need 75% to 85% of Americans to take the vaccine for it to be effective. Uh, so every American has to do their part. And your point is right. It, uh, it's going to take months before the vaccine hits critical mass. So this is the light at the end of the tunnel, but it's a long tunnel. And we need people to continue to be, do the right thing and the smart thing all through the holiday season. Uh, and uh, hopefully when we get to about June, they estimate the, the vaccine can hit critical mass, but the healthcare workers will get it first because we know that uh, you're super stressed during this holiday season. So God bless you. I want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for what you do. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows how brave you are and skilled and talented and selfless. When they use the word heroes, we don't mean that lightly. We mean it deeply and sincerely. What you do, showing up every day, you really are heroes. And we wish you and your families a blessed holiday season. Michael Downs, thank you very much for your leadership once again, my friend. Yeah, uh, thank you, Gov, and uh, we will beat this. We will win. Thank you. When my thank time you. comes, when my time comes, I want Dr. Chester. I like her style. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. You want to be up to you. Thank you, guys. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Gov. All right, so you have just seen the first person in New York State to get the uh, coronavirus vaccine from Pfizer, an ICU nurse, critical care nurse uh, from Long Island Jewish Medical Center uh, out on Long Island, New York. Dr. Sanjay Gupta joins me live. You know, doctor, it's, it's interesting. There's a part of me that looks at this and says, wait, we just all aptly watched someone get a flu shot. You know, I mean, like something that we get every time, and but we were glued to it, right? And I think it was so important she made the point, this isn't any different than any shot she's ever gotten. It felt completely normal. And that was the whole point, to show people how normal and safe it is. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, we, we have been sort of dealing with this pandemic for, for so many months now. There's been this this hope on the horizon in the form of this vaccine. And I think there's the, as a result, there's been this, this mystique and all this around it. And, you know, some of it for good reason. I mean, the scientific sort of achievement behind this, Aaron, as we've talked about, is, is truly remarkable. And I think when scientists have described this vaccine as sort of, you know, the, the infectious disease equivalent of the, of the moonshot, I, I don't think that's being hyperbolic. I mean, I, don't, I didn't think we'd be having this conversation this year. But to your point, in practical terms, what it ultimately all leads to for any given individual is a shot that feels very much like a, any, a flu shot or any other shot that they would have received. I mean, you got the vaccine, it was diluted, it was thawed, may have felt a little bit cold just because yeah. of the cold storage I'm sure, going yeah, into the arm. But, yeah. but, be, but besides that, I mean, you know, Sandra just got that, that shot, which by the way, and this is another point, will, uh, you know, fairly quickly within, you know, a week or so start providing her some protection this is called the prime shot. Uh, and then the next shot, the booster shot, three weeks later, we'll, we'll get her up to that 90, 
you know, 94% or so protection against COVID-19. So it, it, it looks very unremarkable in the scheme of things, um, yeah. you know, which is what it sh should look like, but everything behind it, the, the story of this pandemic, the story of the scientific achievement, the, the scientists that have been working not just this year, but for over a decade on the idea of mRNA technology is, is it's really, it's really remarkable. I, I mean, I could talk about it all day, Aaron, but it is a really, really remarkable moment. And, you know, just, I hope it, people get to take a breath and just take this in. Yeah, I mean, it is it is pretty incredible when you think about it. And also that, that there is technology involved, right? This isn't some of the tried and true technologies, right? These are new technologies and the other vac we have other vaccines coming, mRNA. Pretty amazing to think of such innovation in a sector that, you know, to most people until recently was pretty staid, right? And that's, that's not, <laughs> that's obviously not the case here. So, so Sanjay, while you're with me, I want to um, bring in former CDC director, Dr. Tom Frieden as well, uh, because he read the CDC during the H1N1, Ebola and uh, Zika emergencies as well. So Dr. Frieden, you know, interesting that, that New York chose to do it that way. Um, and I do think it was significant. We don't know if that's the first vaccine around the country that was administered. It well could have been, but it certainly was in New York state. Um, but, but for something so mundane to be so important to do like this, I think is a significant statement. This is a wonderful first step on a very long road to immunity from vaccination. It is a triumph a scientific triumph. It's amazing that we have a vaccine that's this effective and appears to be this safe. But we're not out of the woods yet. And for the next few months, we really need to double down on protection protocols so that there aren't avoidable deaths while we're waiting to get the vaccine rolled out. And, and Sanjay, that is the great tragedy, right? You've got 110,000 people hospitalized, hospitalizations at a record, new cases at a record, uh, deaths, uh, the CDC has said, are going to run two to 3,000 per day for the next 90 days. I mean, a tragedy in that so much of this was avoidable had behavior been changed. Sanjay, what do you think about what's been put out there as people, you know, mull over the vaccine and what they're going to do? Some have said, well, you should give everyone one dose and just give everyone a dose and give as much immunity as you can. Uh, and then not worry about that second dose until everybody's had the first and then do a booster. Do you think that makes any sense, given that the vaccine has obviously not been tested in such a way? You know, I've, I've asked so many people about this, including uh, <clears throat> Albert Bourla, who's the CEO of Pfizer. I asked him about that this morning. Yeah. We've talked to the FDA about this, Dr. Fauci. And I think, you know, it's really interesting. I don't know if we have this graphic. Maybe we don't. That basically shows how much protection people seem to be getting after a single dose. But regardless, um, what you hear from just about everybody is that what the data sort of points to is the efficacy of two, two doses. There was just a three-week time period in between the first and second dose, so it's really hard to read too much into this idea. So, so Dr. Frieden, how long does it take? You hear the governor of New York saying next summer. You heard the Health and Human Services Secretary, Dr. Azar, implying it could be much sooner than that, right? You get it by February. Uh, how quickly does this actually provide the vaccine-induced herd immunity? Well, first off, the top priority here, in addition to healthcare workers, are people who work or live in nursing homes, because that's where 40% of the deaths are. And if we can rapidly get people in those communities vaccinated, we can really knock down the number of deaths in the coming months. But remember, it's one vaccine, a second vaccine three or four weeks later, and then maybe a week or 10 days after that, uh, the kind of protection that we're seeing, it's very encouraging. There's a lot of bumps on the road that can happen production problems, supply problems, distribution problems. There may be signals that make people worried about it, acceptance. And yeah. it's going to be many months before this pandemic begins to be over. But today's first step is a great one. It's worth celebrating, but we should celebrate by being even more careful so that people don't get it avoidably and die just as a vaccine that can prevent it yeah. is so near. And one last thing that's so important, Congress must act billions of dollars spent to make this vaccine, but no money allocated to make sure people get it. That's got to be in the next bill in Congress, where it'll be a tragedy because even a vaccine that's 100% effective will be 0% useful if people don't get it. Yeah, that's the thing. You need that. You need the, the public relations campaign information. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Frieden, Dr. Gupta and Anderson. Back to you.
Yeah, Erin, it is just so extraordinary to watch. All right, let's carry on. The rapid U.S. rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine is the result of months of planning. Shipments by UPS and FedEx went out to all 50 states within hours of regulatory approval being given. You'll recall that this vaccine requires unbroken cold chain storage at minus 70 degrees Celsius. So let's talk about this. Joining us now is Wes Wheeler. He's president of UPS Healthcare and is in charge of the company's vaccine distribution strategy. Wes, fantastic to have you on the show. Our our viewers have just been watching live. The first person in New York State to be vaccinated. We saw similar uh, in the UK last week. You described the emotion of this moment as comparable to your daughter's wedding when you were speaking to CNN over the weekend. Just describe what it took to get to this moment and how it feels. Well, Julia, we've been working on this for four four or five months uh, since we started working on the clinical trials. So we had a very good idea way back, when, way back in April just how hard this would be and how difficult it would be to uh, coordinate all these activities. And then, of course, the Operation Warp Speed team that put us on their team, we've been with them every day and now we're on with them twice a day to make sure we have enough capacity in our network and we've made plenty of capacity available in the U.S. Of course, now we're pivoting to, uh, to Canada. We're delivering to Canada this morning and we're now pivoting also to, to Europe. So we're, we're, we're ready and we're having, we're having a lot of anxious moments, but we're very proud. Yeah, anxious and proud of um, all the work that's gone into this too. I think everybody watching you as well. Um, Wes, we've often talked on this show about the fragility of this Pfizer-BioNTech virus, the fact that it has to be kept at minus 70 degrees. It's got to be kept colder than Mars. Just talk about the choreography required and, and the process that you're going through here from the point upon which you begin the process of delivery right to the end point when it gets to wherever it's going to be administered. Yeah, so Pfizer has de- designed a very uh, complex package they call a thermal shipper. And the thermal shipper has four components in it. It has dry ice in the bottom, a payload section where you can put up to five trays, uh, and uh, 975 uh, vials, which is almost 5,000 doses. On top of that, a, a package of dry ice. And then on top of that, they have their GPS tracking device with a, with a temperature probe inside. So we can watch the temperature, we can watch the location anywhere it, it is in the U.S. right now. In fact, we just sent to Operation Warp Speed a few minutes ago a map that shows exactly where all the vaccines are sitting as we speak. <laughs> wow, it's pretty clever. And from my understanding, I believe you're creating 24,000 pounds of dry ice daily uh, 40 pounds of dry ice is delivered the day after each box is delivered, which has 50 pounds inside. How long does that keep the package cool for? Uh, so Pfizer has validated the shipper with 50 pounds for up to 10 days. So we know we have 10 days of good, solid, minus 70 temperature, which we'll be monitoring all the time. Uh, we are shipping dry ice the next day to those sites that would like that additional dry ice. We're putting 40 pounds in. It comes in a day later. That would give another five to six days, uh, according to the protocol that Pfizer has validated for us. Yeah. Okay. I just want you to explain, actually, because I'm just looking as you're talking. Where are you? Can you explain what we're seeing in the background there of your shot? (laughs) I'm standing in the I'm standing on the uh, cargo deck of a 747-8 freighter. This is one of UPS's uh, premier uh, cargo airplanes. Uh, and above, I was a minute ago, I was up in the flight deck where the pilot sits. But this is one of our premier air cargo flights. And is this actually being used to distribute the vaccines? Yes. So uh, UPS has several uh, types of aircraft. I think yesterday you saw... Uh, Captain Houston Mills fly in on the 757, uh, which delivered the first vaccines here to Louisville, Kentucky, and then out last night to all the locations around the U.S. But we use five different aircraft. This would be the largest of our fleet. Yeah, and to go back to your point, because I was just, one, amazed by the the communication quality that we have here, but you were saying, you know, you've just sent out a plan. So you know exactly where all of these packages are at any given moment whether that's on a flight, whether it's on a truck. How are you collecting and collating all that data and mitigating potential risks? These packages are precious, precious cargo. Yes. 
Of course. So we have triple redundancy, actually. For the trailers that come out of Michigan, uh, each trailer is carrying one of these sentry devices, which, which temperature is it measuring temperature, location, uh, shock, motion, and light detection. That's in real time, any cargo flight that we have in the network, and most commercial flights as well, if we ever use one. Uh, in addition to that, every package has one of these tags. This is a Bluetooth and radio-activated tag that communicates as soon as the package arrives in one of the UPS locations, we can find that package within 10 feet. And that gives us the option to, to look at in transit, in the facility, and then of course Pfizer has their own tracking device in the box. So just to give us a sense, because obviously Pfizer have said, look, this is our production schedule. Have you mapped requirements for their production schedule and could you scale up or down quickly depending on what they can do? So if they can produce more, for example, you can get it delivered. Yes, Julia. So we so back three months ago, we started modeling this for not only just for Pfizer, but all the developers that are developing vaccines today. We've mapped all their manufacturing locations, all the potential supply lanes across the world. And of course, I'm talking to CNN International here, so you should know we're looking at all the supply lanes all across the world, from Belgium, from the Netherlands, from Germany, anywhere they're being manufactured, even India, so that we can actually put the capacity into our network planning and make sure we reserve that capacity in addition to all the packages that we deliver every day. So we have done a lot of work on this for the last four months. So anyone who says, oh, you know, they're going to be able to produce the vaccines, but they're not ready to deliver them, you're saying, don't worry, we've been modeling this now for months, we're ready. Don't worry. We're, we're very, very proud to be part of this. Uh, the UPSers, the thousands of UPSers that are behind me, plus Operation Warp Speed, we have a very direct line into the Washington Command Center. I was talking to General Perna a couple of days ago. Uh, we're ready for the next vaccine coming, we hope, next week. Uh, and then beyond that, we know uh, the others as well. We're very, very proud to be part of this, and thank you very much for your attention. No, Wes, thank you to you for spending time with us this morning, to your team for all the hard work. One can only imagine. Not much sleep, I'm sure. Stay in touch, please, and uh, we'll keep talking about <laughs> this. Wes Wheeler, I'll let you get back to your work. President of UPS Healthcare. Okay. Next, we're thank still you. working. We're still working. Yeah, I know ready. you thank are, you sir. Much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you take care. We're back after this. Thank you. Welcome back to First Move. U.S. lawmakers are looking to split the stimulus package into two to try and break a renewed stalemate. The more contentious points could be isolated, and that's the sum of around $160 billion. And it includes issues like state and local aid and liability protections for businesses. The remaining near $750 billion contains all the items garnering wider support from things like jobless benefits to small business loans. It would also include aid for airlines among the pandemic's hardest hit industries. Joining us now, Sarah Nelson, president of the Association of Flight Attendants. Great to have you back with us. I, I vividly remember our conversation last time and I was hoping by this point, Sarah, you'd have cash aid to, to those that you represent. Not the case. How hopeful are you this time and how are they doing? Well, it's very difficult. So we have had people out on furloughs since October 1st. The moratorium on furloughs with the airlines ended at that time. So there have been more furlough announcements since then. Uh, people have, because of our contracts, have a period of time where the companies in some cases are covering the cost of COBRA, the very high cost of the health insurance plan. But that is ending as well. So without a paycheck and without any kind of support on that health care at the end of this month when 12 million people are set to fall off of any kind of unemployment insurance at all, 17 million children are going hungry, 30 to 40 million people are at risk of losing their homes. In addition to that, the people that I represent are definitively losing their health care and uh, trying to figure out how they're going to survive. So it is absolutely confounding that nothing has happened to this point. And I believe when we spoke before, I shared that 
we actually had a program that we had hoped would be provided for every other industry. We're 80% union in the airline industry, mm-hmm. and we forced the airlines to come to us on a workers' first package that required all the government money to go through to our pay, our health care, no cuts in hourly rates, continued service to all of our communities, and a cap on executive compensation and ban on stock buybacks. So all the things that we hate about those corporate bailouts, we took care of too. And now here we are with the distribution of the vaccine, and we need all the planes up in the air distributing that vaccine to make the demand. But that requires people, planes, and routes to be in place, and that doesn't happen just overnight. So we've got a humanitarian crisis, and we also have a real infrastructure crisis in order to attack this virus and get to a place where we can recover. I mean, you raise all the most important points here. There's an ethical and a moral duty here for for lawmakers to act. It's it's hard, I'm sure, for you to explain uh, to those that you represent and say, look, actually, lawmakers agree on a package, whether they're Democrats or Republicans. It's just trying to agree some bigger deal. Sarah, what's your message to to lawmakers at this moment? Because you're incredibly eloquent in in pointing out the, the need. Look, every single day counts. So if we think about this, if we think about just if you want to look at a balance sheet or you want to look at the infrastructure that needs to be in place to attack this virus, to have a larger structure, to be able to take care of people, get through this pandemic, every day counts because the longer you go, the more people who fall off of certification to fly the aircraft that we need to move the vaccine around. But every day counts for those individuals, too. There are there are people who have been out of work now for two months and are trying to decide. They have been told by lawmakers it's coming. Relief is imminent. And so they've made personal decisions in their lives not to leave their apartments that are near the airport so they can do their jobs. They're hanging on just barely, but they're going to have to get rid of that now and pay the extra month's rent in order to break those leases early or be in a position where they won't have a home if that relief gets in place and now they won't have a place to meet their obligations on the job. So every single day counts and people have been left in absolute shock over the inaction of this government, especially when there is so much agreement. They have got to get this done They cannot wait to do this. And we've got to talk really about what this relief money is. When we simply talk about state and local, it's very easy to make that a line item. But what is that? That's sanitation jobs. That's firefighters' jobs. That is teachers' jobs. Those are people who also pay into the economy. So the lawmakers have got to set aside either who's going to get the credit or who's going to get the blame and understand that we are in a hundred year crisis here. And without action, we're really going to fall off the cliff and have a much more difficult time to recover. More people are likely to die of poverty and homelessness than the virus itself. Do you think it's politics coming before people, Sarah? Because you're advocating for every single person in this nation that's struggling and not just the airline workers that you you represent. Do you think the lawmakers are putting politics first? I think there's been a heavy dose of an assessment of politics. And any time we address an issue about whether or not something is politically possible or whether or not it's going to help or hurt someone politically, then we've lost our way. Uh, because that is not going to encourage consensus. That's not going to encourage people to coming together and solve problems the way that we're supposed to. I think about the flight attendants who've been on the front lines of this coronavirus from the beginning, going to work, continuing that essential service for our communities, even the people who don't fly, repatriating Americans to get home to their loved ones during that time. And now they're out of work. Now they're not being taken care of and not given the support to do our jobs. The people who remain on the jobs today because we don't have that that support from the government to hold up that infrastructure. There's more and more stress as airlines are forced to cut costs and encourage people, encouraging people to come to work sick. These are problems that continue to get created because the public health emergency collides with the financial emergency. And Congress has got to set any, uh, any political assessment aside. If that starts to enter their minds, get rid of it. 
focus on the people, focus on the people on the front lines. We're going to be the ones to rebuild this economy, and we're the ones that we've got to focus on to make sure that we eradicate this virus, because as long as one person has it and we're not able to treat it, we're all at risk. Amen. Sarah, I've not heard anybody argue it better. Thank you so much for coming on our show. You give me a frog in my throat. Sarah Nelson, thank you once again, and uh, we're thinking of you, you and all your people. Thank you. All right, more to come. You're watching First Move. Welcome back to First Move. A quick look at what we're seeing in terms of price action from U.S. stock markets this morning. They're running for the first trading day of the week, and they are running higher. Look at that, almost a percent, over a percent now for the Nasdaq, the tech-heavy stock market. Wall Street rebounding from last week's losses. This, of course, as the first doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine are shipped across the United States, as we've talked about and shown you in this show. A lot of optimism there about the endgame, but challenges, of course, remain. And a final reminder of one of our top stories today, the Electoral College vote happening today. Electors from all 50 states in Washington, D.C. will finalize Joe Biden's win. It's a formality after U.S. elections and normally wouldn't make the headlines. But of course, with concerns and disputes about the final results, it takes on far greater significance this time around. Our special coverage begins in around an hour from now. That's it for the show. I'm Julia Chastley. You've been watching First Move. Stay safe and we'll see you same time, same place tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.